Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A member of the Wagner family was back in the Pike County Courthouse today. His attorneys argue George Wagner IV did not shoot and kill any of the Rodin family members. Judge, in our motion, we have asked the court to dismiss counts one through eight and or the accompanying death specifications, which make this case a death penalty. As part of the plea deal Jake Wagner reached with prosecutors, neither he nor his brother or their parents will face the death penalty as long as Jake testifies in court. George did not shoot or kill anybody. He did not pull a trigger once. Jake, on the other hand, has admitted to killing at least five people personally and shooting a sixth. Special Prosecutor Angie Canepa argued the murder charges and death penalty specifications against George Wagner should remain until Jake Wagner testifies on the record in a courtroom. Surviving members of the Roden family anxiously await for answers to close the case, but won't ever erase the heartache they feel. This is The Piketon Massacre, Season 3, Episode 7, Breadcrumbs. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a television producer at KT Studios with Stephanie Lidecker and Jeff Shane. In this episode, we follow the trail of breadcrumbs left behind during these hearings. 
Some of them lead into very dark corners that may only be fully illuminated once the trial begins. And no issue has cast a larger shadow over the case than what Angela and Jake's testimony may reveal about George and Billy's involvement. When the state has made a bargain with the shooter of at least five people, the killer of at least five people in this case, then we believe it's unconstitutional, improper, and an abuse of power to pursue the death penalty against George when they admitted he didn't shoot anybody. We are not stipulating that George did not shoot anybody because we don't know that. We are simply stipulating that according to Jake's proffer, George did not shoot anybody. I think that's an important distinction. Now, Judge Deering ended up denying the defense motion filed by George Wagner's attorney. Now, we also learned that all four of the suspects were offered the same chance to negotiate a deal if they agreed to tell prosecutors what happened the night the Roden family members were killed. These murders in Pike County, Ohio, it's not something they just entered into. You know, they're not just, you know, sitting around with a few cans of beer open and saying, let's go slaughter the rodents. That's not what happened. This took planning. You're talking about the murder of eight other human beings. They're going to go into quite graphic detail about, first off, the kids being locked up in this house with the deceased remains of their parents. They're going to talk about all of the bloodstains that were on the children. They're going to talk about how those children were weeping and crying. It's going to be incredibly impactful. It'll be like getting hit in the chest with a 10-pound sledgehammer. You're not going to have a totality of the execution of this agreement until they get up on the stand and they do what they say that they were going to do. You know, and absent that, then it's a game changer. Defense attorney, former prosecutor, judge, and Fox 19 legal analyst Mike Allen has been following the case closely. We asked him about Angela and Jake's proffers and if their testimonies need to line up closely with the prosecution's investigative and forensic findings. The answer to that is yes. I mean, if there's what they call a proffer made by a defendant, where the defendant will say, well, this is what I would testify to, it's got to line up, not absolutely perfectly, but generally, it's got to line up with what the prosecution has. They're probably meeting with Angela and Jake regularly. You don't want to screw this up. You don't want to make some kind of comment to somebody, anybody that you're in jail with, even the prison staff that you're coming in contact with on a daily basis, anything that could hamper this trial. They want to keep this thing as pristine as they possibly can going into whatever the prosecution's going to do with George and Billy. Here's producer Chris Graves speaking with forensic death investigator Joseph Scott Morgan. If those proffers are to be believed, it would seem that Billy did the other three. Yeah, yeah, it, it would seem that. And Jake admitted to these killings. If he facilitated the deaths of five people, which he's admitted to, and we still have three that are unaccounted for, I think money's on Billy at this point in time. He's front runner. I think that the state's going to want their pound of flesh in this case because of everything that has happened relative to this, all of the deception all of this horror that has come down upon this little rural county in, in Southern Ohio. I think the people of Ohio probably are going to demand it. The Roden family case is going to be that case that 80 years from now, people are gonna sit around a campfire and tell stories about. 
Another motion, Motion 76, filed by the defense, deals with the admissibility of specific evidence and expert testimony that the prosecution hopes will seal the deal for convincing the jury of George's involvement. The prosecution quickly filed a memorandum stating that their case for why the evidence should be admissible and why Motion 76 should be struck down. Here's Chris Graves speaking with retired prosecutor Ann Flanagan about the shoe print evidence. For every motion that the defense filed, there may be a response, or there may be another motion filed by the state that seeks something. And uh, in those motions, at times, that you will glean some additional facts that maybe you have not heard from other sources. It's like finding little breadcrumbs to this puzzle we've all been trying to figure out. We took this new evidence and compared it to some of the facts already known in the case. Here's Stephanie and Jeff. This is the relevant factual background in the memorandum. Eight members of the Rodin family were murdered in their homes on the night of April 22nd, 2016. Investigators located shoe prints at two properties, 4077 Union Hill Road and 3122 Union Hill Road. These shoe prints had pools of dried blood belonging to the victims. Okay, so let's dig into this just a little deeper. The locations where these prints were found were at the homes of Chris Rodin Sr. and then Dana Rodin. We've been to this location and they're running distance from each other. When we visited Piketon, we actually did the drive of Union Hill Road to map out the different crime scenes. Union Hill Road lies about 20 minutes west of downtown Piketon off of Route 32. You exit the highway, then double back and head into a patchwork of forests and fields. And about half a mile up the road on the right is when you first see 3122 Union Hill Road, the property that Chris Roden Sr. bought for Dana and the kids just months before the murders. And we talked about this. That's also the location where Hannah Mae Roden had her baby shower just leading up to the murders. So moving into this home was a really happy and exciting thing for Dana. Just down the road from that is 4077 Union Hill Road. And that's where Chris Roden Sr. was living. And as we know, his cousin Gary was staying with him. This was a very brutal crime scene. There were pools of blood everywhere. And in these pools of blood, what police found were two shoe prints. One a size 10 and a half and the other a size 11. According to the report, a size 11 Walmart Athletic Works brand shoe left a print. Here's Joseph Scott Morgan. I went back and I thought that brand sounded familiar. And the reason it was familiar to me is that when my son Noah got one of his first jobs, it was at Chick-fil-A and they require you to wear those non-slip shoes. We went to Walmart to buy him a pair and that's what they were. And I just looked that up. They're primarily athletic works shoes. They're non-slip soles is what they are. They're black in color. They kind of look like athletic shoes. And visiting their website, they go for like 13 bucks a pair or something like that. It's something that's easily acquired. The size 11 shoe was actually found in both Chris Sr. and Data's home. Which is extremely significant because there's been so much speculation about this. Did they divide up and each go to a different location or did they do it together? And that's what this evidence would imply. Yeah, to further that point, Steph, what they also found was that the size 11 shoe had a mix of multiple victims' blood in it, which again speaks to your point that whoever was wearing that shoe went to multiple rodent houses. 
For Joseph Morgan, it brought to mind another infamous family massacre. I urge anybody that has never read In Cold Blood to go read this book, specifically because of the forensics. Capote did such a fantastic job and, you know, giving such a great description of this horrible scene where this family was absolutely butchered. Not too dissimilar from what happened in Piketon, only it happened in one single home in Kansas all those years back. They had one piece of evidence that really tied everything together at that scene. In Cold Blood is a nonfiction novel by author Truman Capote that was published in 1966. It details the 1959 murders of the Clutter family in small town Kansas. And you might have read this book in high school or have heard of it. It's really one of the first true crime stories that people sank their teeth into. And I would surmise that any true crime TV series or podcast or documentary really should give some credit to this one because without it, I don't think the genre would be what it is. There are actually a lot of parallels between the Piketon Massacre and the Clutter family murders. One, the family aspect. Also, two, the brutality. Three, the victims being shot in the head and just the sheer amount of bloodshed. It's chilling. For those of you who aren't familiar with the story, we'll give you a little bit of a top line about it. It all started in the fall of 1959 when these two ex-cons named Perry Smith and Richard Hickok drove across Kansas on a tip they had received from one of their fellow inmates when they were in jail. While the duo was still in jail, they met a man named Floyd Wells who had claimed to them he had once worked as a farmhand for a man named Herb Clutter, who, according to Floyd, had kept thousands of dollars in a safe in his basement. And that is all that Smith and Hickok needed to hear. And eventually, when they got out of jail, they drove 400 miles to the Clutter residence and snuck into the house as the family was sleeping. They started by tying up Mr. and Mrs. Clutter and their two teenage children, Kenyon and Bonnie. It's every parent's worst nightmare. I can't help being reminded of what the Roden family must have been feeling the night that they were murdered thinking about them in their homes and having a loud banging sound and all of a sudden there's a gun in your face. And it turns out there actually was not a safe. It was a total lie or her rumor. And Hickok, who had a very short temper, flew into a rage. And it's so sad because they must have decided beforehand that they wouldn't leave any witnesses alive. So all they got away with was a radio and maybe $50, but still they decided they had to kill the entire family. Yeah, once they made this decision, they kind of went one by one to the family members who were in various points of the home. And they started with Mr. Clutter, who was bound and gagged on a box spring in the basement. Harry Smith slit his throat and then shot him in the head. They then went to the teenage son, Kenyon, who was bound in another part of the basement and shot him to death. And then they, of course, headed upstairs to kill mom, Nancy Clutter. And sadly, after hearing both her parents and her brother being murdered. Bonnie Clutter was shot in the head. Her hands were tied in front of her. She was gagged. And get this, they actually tucked her into her bed. It's almost like they were trying to make her comfortable in the moments leading up to her murder. Another similarity to the Roden case seems to be the sheer violence of all of this. To shoot someone and slit their throat is the definition of overkill. In the same way, shooting members of the Rodin family multiple times in the face is just violence for violence's sake. Something else that we should note, that at some point in the night, Perry Smith stepped in Mr. Clutter's blood in the basement and left a partial footprint. 
That again seems eerily similar to this footprint that we've been discussing in the rodent house. A lot of creepy stuff went on with this case. Anyway, he was executed down there. And Perry, who was one of the killers, was wearing a boot that had been resold. And this boot, when you hear this name, this this name in forensic parlance, it's a benchmark moment. It's called the cat paw print. When he stepped on that box, he transferred a print to that box with his boot that had transferred from blood onto the surface, and it left that cat paw print. Perry Smith's boots were later recovered. Not so in Piketon. The defense has struck gold here. Really? I think so, yeah. What makes you think that? Well, guess what they found? They had Perry's boots. In this case, they, they ain't got nothing. In Piketon, they, they don't have the shoes. They don't have that to compare to. In the clutter case, they did. And I'm, I'm drawing these conclusions because I think, in my opinion at least, that this case, much like the clutter case, is going to be a bloodbath. The prosecution is betting that their footprint expert, William Bosniak, can tie the bloody prints back to the Wagners without having the actual footwear. For his analysis, Bosniak bought the same Athletic Works model, size, and shoe at Walmart, about a thousand miles away from Piketon in his home state of Florida. The defense is trying to raise doubt about the process by which Bosniak determined the match, as well as about Bosniak's actual qualifications as an expert. To do this, they've requested what's called a Daubert hearing. Here again, Anne Flanagan. Daubert is just the name of a case where some guidelines were set forth by the U.S. Supreme Court. And it was done with the idea that we don't want junk science going to a jury just because someone was declared an expert and said that this was his expert opinion. And so they gave some guidelines for attorneys and courts. And so some of the guidelines are what we call Daubert factors. Some of these factors include whether the theory or technique in question can be and has been tested, whether it has been subject to peer review and publication, its known potential error rate, and whether it has attracted widespread acceptance within the forensic scientific community. Well, one of the attacks that the defense made is that this is not the shoe. The shoe that he compared to the print is a sample shoe that he bought later. They would want to do that because they see that as very damaging evidence. Understand, the defense's job is to exploit these small little issues along the way. They don't have to destroy the whole case. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start to talk about, you know, well, they've, they've given so much value to this piece of evidence, they're going to try to paint it that way. If this trial happens down there in southern Ohio and Appalachia, people that inhabit those regions their ears perk up when they hear an accent from other places or they see people that don't quite fit in. And all he has to do is say, you know, this this guy, he's with the feds. Why the hell are you going to go outside of your own law enforcement family and the uh, crime lab there in the state and contract with an outside expert in this particular case? Ultimately, Judge Deering ruled for the defense that the Daubert hearing could go forward. Joseph Scott Morgan explains that if the judge rules in favor of the defense, a jury would never hear any of the evidence about the shoes. Defense has written this thing up to state, 
that this gentleman is going to testify to size 10 and a half and to size 11 athletic works shoes. He's going to testify to those items and then he's marrying those up to the photographs of the shoe prints at the scene to these individuals. They're saying that this isn't going to hold water forensically. Then we can conclude that perhaps that bit of evidence will be excluded. But listen, this is the defense. This is what they do. If I hire a defense attorney, I'm assuming that's their job, to basically throw anything against the wall and hope that it sticks. I would imagine it's a little bit of an uphill battle defending someone like George Wagner because there's a lot of evidence against him. And so the defense attorney is just trying to find ways around that and ways to cast reasonable doubt. Because with a jury, you don't need to prove that someone's innocent. All you need to do is poke enough holes in the prosecution's story that there is a reasonable doubt that George Wagner did not murder eight people. We think it's important to go through the different pieces of evidence that the prosecution is allegedly putting forward because it really does play a huge part in this case. The first thing that we think seems very relevant is the shoe receipts. Now, as a result of a search warrant executed on the vehicles and the trailers belonging to the Wagner family, investigators located a Walmart receipt for a location in Waverly, Ohio. The date on the receipt is April 7th, 2016, which as we know is just a couple of weeks before the murders. The receipt was for two pairs of gray men's Walmart branded shoes with Velcro straps in sizes 10 and a half and 11. Officials were able to obtain and preserve surveillance photographs and receipts of all recent purchases of that model and those sizes of the shoe in numerous Walmart stores throughout Southern Ohio. At some point, an expert reviewed the photographs obtained from a Walmart in Waverly, Ohio, and it included still images of the customers who purchased Athletic Works shoes that day. And the customer purchasing those shoes in this particular surveillance shot is none other than Angela Wagner. They actually show her exiting the Waverly Walmart on April 7th, 2016, at approximately the exact same time on the receipt found on the Wagner property. And this day is so significant because, as we know, Hannah Mae Roden was having her baby shower at her new house where she lived with her mom, which we talked about earlier. It is pretty damning evidence, to say the least. We were told at some point that Angela Wagner chose those specific shoes for her boys to wear because they were allegedly the exact same shoes that Dana Roden's brother wore to work. And it's been speculated that perhaps Angela Wagner was literally trying to set up Dana Roden's brother for these murders. I have a question. What do you think has more weight in the courtroom? the science and the facts of the case or Jake Wagner's version of events? Well, it all depends on what Jake has given them at this point and mama. From a forensic standpoint, I can't wait to see this. They've already shown their hand to a certain degree. They're saying we're going after the forensic evidence. Right now, we know it's footwear. What else is on the table? Are we going to talk about ballistics? Because that's the agency for bringing about death here. You know, we're talking about firing multiple rounds into all of these people. Reporter Anjanette Levy sees potential implications for George and Billy Wagner if the evidence is allowed. I just know from one of the hearings back in August of 2020, they were saying 
you have no evidence against George the Fourth. And the same with Billy. Billy's attorney said in court documents, you have no evidence against our guy. There's nothing in the discovery that ties him to this. So when you look at it, if we're looking at true impression evidence, those could be things that maybe tie them to the crime scenes because we have that whole issue of the state saying and Angela Wagner confirming that she purchased these shoes at Walmart for them to use. So those items could tie George and Billy to the crimes. Because the Daubert hearing could affect both father and son, Judge Deering raised the possibility that they both appear in court at the same time. I would think that's going to be potentially the most interesting thing to come out of the Daubert hearing. So you're going to have the singular hearing about the scientific evidence, and then it's going to be presented at two separate capital murder trials. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. 
Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Judge Deering decided to have two separate Daubert cases for George and Billy Wagner, avoiding a father-son face-to-face for the first time since their arrests almost four years ago. Here's Joseph Morgan. What if they come to a conclusion, let's just say it has to do with footwear. They come to the conclusion X relative to the findings in George's case and the validity of the evidence and how it was examined, collected, and analyzed. You've got the dynamic of a separate legal team there. They might have a completely different view of this. When you're accused of something, and I'm just speaking strictly about forensics here, you have to be able to hold forth against the entire might of the state and what they bring to bear, their forensic resources. George's team is there to save George. They're not there to save Billy. The morning of the trial, William Bosniak arrived early and took a seat while the defense and prosecution organized their arguments. Bosniak is fit with a head of silver hair. You might guess he's 10 years younger than his actual age of 76. Your Honor, at this time, the state would call Mr. Bosiak to the stand. You solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give should be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, that you I shall answer unto God. I do. Right, you may be seated. Can you tell us what your vocation is? I'm a forensic consultant and examiner. I specialize in footwear and tire impression evidence. And can you tell us, how long would you say you've been doing that? Uh, since 1973. George IV avoids eye contact with Bosniak. Angie Canepa goes through the very standard procedure of having an expert describe his resume to the court. He speaks for a full hour and a half on his qualifications. Bosniak has done thousands of footwear impression examinations during his career with the FBI and in the 20 plus years of consulting since his retirement in 1998. Footwear, shoes of people, leave impressions. Some of these are on two-dimensional surfaces where shoes acquire material like dust, dirt, mud, blood, so forth. And then they redeposit it in subsequent steps. Typically, if you step in a pool of blood, the first few steps are pretty heavy and messy. I have a lot of blood. And then eventually, each step, some of that blood is transferred to the floor and consumed. So the next step doesn't have as much. Bosniak explains that he can identify specific brands, models, and sizes of shoes, even if they aren't recovered. He does this by comparing recovered prints to the molds used by manufacturers to make the soles of any given shoe. In shoes that are not popular, a manufacturer may only make one mold for most or all sizes. The basic design will be the same. It's computer-generated, has been for years. So its overall design and its physical size of that design from all of those molds will virtually be indistinguishable. 
but in some shoe designs, they also add something that is known as generically as texture. At this point, Bosniak fires up a video he narrated. Texture is broadly defined as a shallow pattern, sometimes found on selective surfaces of a footwear outsole. Adding texture to a mold is a separate process. The video shows two workers in Southeast Asia. They each sit at their own workbench with a small hammer and awl. They're punching little divots into the shoe molds that will later be used to cast rubber soles. During the molding process, there are two predominant methods of adding texture to a mold surface. One of those, shown here, involves mechanically striking a pattern into the surface using a steel die or similar tool. This is known as hand stippling. Believe it or not, those little patterns of the fine detail on the bottom of your shoes are mostly hand-carved and no two are alike. A size 11 mold created by one person will have minute differences from a size 11 created by another person. This goes even for the same brand and model shoe. It creates a very specific footprint. What's great about this evidence is that it's what we call demonstrable. And when you have demonstrable evidence, that's a big, big test of its reliability. If you live in Florida and you're asked to do an examination and purchase that shoe in Florida, how can you make a comparison to a shoe print impression that was a footprint impression that was left in a crime scene well, in Ohio? Because manufacturers sell their shoes all over the country. So if they're sold at one Walmart, they're probably sold at the majority of them. If I know they're Walmart shoes, then that's the obvious place that I would go to first. Angie Canepa rests. Now it's time for defense attorney Rob Junk to convince the judge that Bosniak is not a reliable expert. So what I'm hearing from you then in doing this test, you're required to have a mold standard from the factory, is that right? No. In some cases, I just simply go to the store and buy some or get permission to make photographs and take standards of the shoes they have. And why not go to the manufacturer? That's not always possible. They're in other countries, mostly. But, sir, unless you have obtained all of the molds, how do you know or how can you be certain that the impression you have is of one particular mold or shoe that you have purchased from the store. I mean, this is just through your experience, is that right? You don't know this to be certain. I know this to be certain because I've observed it. I've worked cases like this. I've interacted with manufacturers, numerous manufacturers. I've been in factories asking questions like this. And I've, I've observed it over and over again and used this process over and over again. And it's as certain as anything can be. The defense works tirelessly to see if Bosniak will slip up. The defense then moves on to the issue of not having the actual shoes used in the crime. Can you explain to the court, if we're looking at a Walmart shoe, how reliable it is to make a comparison or a match between a Walmart store in Florida and a shoe that a Walmart store, uh, maybe in California, would sell? Sure, they came from the same mold. They just got distributed to all over the country. And although the impression corresponded with the shoe that you purchased from Walmart, 
you cannot say that that impression came from the athletic work shoe or a athletic work shoe. Is that right? Yes. It's, it's an athletic work shoe that has the texture on it that, that I purchased and that I compared and that corresponds with the crime scene. After three hours of questioning, Judge Deering has heard enough. I think I'm just going to rule on the motion. I mean, I conclude, the court concludes that the footwear impression evidence, as explained and testified to by William Bozziak, satisfies the criteria of evidence rule 702 and Dalton Merrill for the admissibility of expert testimony. Let's stop here for another break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. You don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and 
their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With the Daubert hearing over and Motion 76 denied, it's guaranteed the jury will hear the testimony of William Bosniak, his positive identification linking the shoes bought at Walmart by Angela Wagner, and the footprints at the crime scene containing the blood of multiple victims. This may have far-reaching consequences for the entire Wagner family. Regardless, jurors will still see Jake's plea, correct? And that would have its own narrative in and of itself. And maybe then the defense would poke holes in that? You're going to get more than that from Jake. He's going to be on the stand. He's got to stand and deliver. That's the only way they made this deal. Him and Mama are going to be on the stand. Man, you're going to have a five-time murderer on the stand giving testimony against his daddy, against his brother. I don't ever recall that I've ever heard of a case like this. Not in my memory. Not in recent history, at least anywhere in America. The stakes at this point are so incredibly high, it's unimaginable. More on that next time. If you're enjoying the Python Massacre, listen to our other hit series, Crazy in Love. New episodes air every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. For more information and case photos, follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. The Piketon Massacre is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Chris Graves, Scott DeGraw, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Music by Jared Aston. The Piketon Massacre is a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.